Father in heaven, King of glory, we praise you for the beautiful, the marvelous, the wondrous story of Christmas that we get to celebrate again year after year. And tonight, as we open the word once again, we pray, O oh Lord, that you would speak to us through your word, that we might see the light, that we might know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, and that we might live for him. And so encourage us, we pray, in our faith. Thank you, Lord, for all those who have put so much time and effort into the service this evening, who have prepared and who are participating. And we pray, O oh Lord, that your blessing would continue to be upon us as we are together this evening. In Jesus' name, amen. Brothers and sisters in Christ, one of the things that I remember about living on Canada's east coast was that during the winter months, one could always expect to hear stories about some horrible tragedy at sea. Every year again, a number of vessels, including oil rigs, that's pretty bright. I like the kind of, I like the kind of dull lights, which is good. Anyway, every year again, a number of vessels, including oil rigs, would run into trouble and end up sinking, sometimes taking the whole crew uh, with them. And it must be a terrifying experience to be out in the middle of nowhere in the darkness and to have the only solid thing there is, your ship or your mechanical island, in trouble. Gordon Lightfoot sang about that in his ballad, The Wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald, does anyone know where the love of God goes when the gales of November come early, he asked. And I remember particularly in the fall and early winter of 1988 that things were particularly disastrous. Some of you who are older may remember that was the season in which 167 people lost their lives in the explosion and the destruction of the Alpha Piper oil rig in the North Sea. And how terrible it must be like with the Ocean Ranger, to find yourself in such a disaster. Oh, we may value our oil and our gas, but they do exact a price, not only on our environment, but also in human terms. But then I also remember that amidst all the reports of, a dis of the disasters that season, there was a story with a happy ending. An oil rig on the Grand Banks had tore loose from its moorings in a storm and had been destroyed, but the 27-person crew had escaped into their lifeboat. In the dark of the night and with towering seas all around them, the 25 men and two women bobbed hopelessly or helplessly in their small capsule. And there was an additional problem because that capsule had run into trouble. Its motor had died, and so there were no running lights. It's hard to imagine what those people must have been thinking as they were tossed about in the darkness. But they were not entirely in the dark because from one of Canada's rescue centers, one of those Hercules planes was flying over, one of those rescue planes was flying over, and they had a, flat, a light that was shining down on the capsule as it was in the water. And they kept that light 
focused on the capsule, even though the plane had to fly around and around and around. Nonetheless, they just kept that spotlight on the capsule the whole time while it was bobbing around in the darkness of, of the, the ocean. And they kept it there, not only so that the crew of the nearby tugboat could see where the capsule was and so avoid a collision, but it was also there to keep the spirits of the drifting people alive. For there in the darkness and among the towering waves, the crew of the lost rig knew that they were not alone. For the light told them there were other people out there keeping track of them and waiting for the right moment for them to attempt a rescue. And that light was a beacon of hope and life for them. And it put things in perspective. Now, perhaps some of you have experienced something like that in your life, maybe not quite as dramatic, but on a dark and foggy night, the whole world can seem closed in around you. And it may seem like you're the only person left and in such a situation, it's very easy to lose perspective and to lose direction. But then a light shines through the fog or the darkness from another car or from a street light or from a house. And that can be such a welcome sight. Such a light can give perspective to the landscape and it will let you know whether or not you're still on the right side of the road. But more importantly, as with those adrift at sea, such light lets you know that you're not alone in the world. Oh, a light shining in the dark can be a very welcome beacon for the traveler and for those lost at sea. Now, a few moments ago, we opened the Bible to the Gospel of John, chapter 1. And there we heard about a light shining in the darkness, giving hope, giving direction, and giving comfort. Now, John was not talking about a rescue plane. But he was talking about the person of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, very God of very God, the one who was, is, and always will be. The one John was talking about was the Word made flesh, Emmanuel, God with us. And since light, by its very nature, reveals or shows us things that would otherwise be hidden in the darkness, when Jesus says, I am the light of the world, that means he must be revealing something or making something known. And what he has revealed to mankind are the glories of God the Father, God's love, his majesty, his power, his faithfulness to his covenant promises, all things clearly demonstrated in Jesus' birth. The testimony of Scripture is that Jesus is the only light that can show us the way to the Father. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. No one comes to the Father but by me. And this light, revealing the Father, the way of salvation, testifies John, was in the beginning with God, has always been. He was there when it all started. And John says, now this perfect light, this God light, shines in the darkness. And it's, of course, in darkness that light is needed and that light has the greatest impact. 
If you turn on a light in the middle of the day when the sun is shining in your room, it will not necessarily make much difference. But in the darkness, that light makes all the difference. Now, John's not talking about a lack of sunlight. He's talking about a world that does not know Jesus. And ever since the fall into sin, through the sin of Adam and Eve, the world, biblically speaking, has been characterized by darkness, lostness, hopelessness, deadness, and such like terms. And so when the Bible talks about darkness and people walking in darkness, as Isaiah does in chapter 9, verse 2, then it refers to those who have no ultimate direction in life, to those who stumble about as if blind. It refers to those, to use the words of the Heidelberg Catechism, who have not, no comfort in life, who do not know anything about belonging to their faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. It refers to those who have no hope for the future, who are living for today. When the Bible talks about darkness, it's like those on that boat in trouble, helpless, tossed about on the waves, all alone, without perspective, somewhere in the middle of the ocean. Of course, such a dark assessment is one made by the Bible concerning the whole of the human race. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, the Bible tells us in Romans chapter 3. No one is exempt from this darkness. It's the condition of the world, the entire world, after the fall. But God did something about that darkness because it's into this situation of unbelief and darkness, confusion, that light shined. You heard about that from Isaiah 9, verse 2. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. Or as John wrote in chapter 1, verse 5, the light shines in the darkness. We heard about that this morning from Pastor John, also in the song of Zechariah. Jesus, the light of the world, came and walked among us. And because of that fact, in place of the shadow of death and its darkness, now shines the light of life. In place of the darkness of ignorance and falsehood, the light reveals knowledge and truth. In the place of the darkness of sin, salvation is revealed. And it's Jesus who is the one that casts out the darkness of sin and disobedience. He turns our darkness into light. He guides us and he directs us straight to the Father through the work of the Holy Spirit. And through the coming of the light into this world in the person of Jesus Christ, whose birth we celebrate at Christmas, we have been shown that we are not alone. There's hope for us, God with us. And so no longer do we have to stumble about in our sin and misery and unbelief for the Lord Jesus has removed it all. He took it upon himself. He took upon himself our sins and showed us the way home. And Jesus said, he who follows me will not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Now the Old Testament prophets pointed to the people, pointed the people to the beacon shining in the darkness. 
Zechariah spoke about his son, John the Baptist, the last of the Old Testament prophets, as one who would prepare the way for Jesus who would shine on those living in darkness. We heard that this morning. The prophets spoke the word of the Lord to the people, telling them over and over again that there was hope. They were not alone. God had not rejected them. God's plan of salvation would be brought to completion, and so on. And so the Old Testament prophets were like that rescue aircraft flying overhead while the capsule was tossed about on the sea. And they kept telling the people about the hope that was to come and the light that was to come and the salvation that was to come. But they had to wait for the right moment for the rescue to take place. They had to live by faith that they would be saved. And so the people of Israel had to live by faith that the Lord would come. And tonight we celebrate the fact that the light has come. Jesus was born. And now we are called upon to live by faith that he will come again. <clears throat> That's something that he has promised. But you know, not everyone is celebrating or rejoicing with us. What is so remarkable, as one reads in John 1, is that we hear some strange things in John chapter 1. The darkness did not welcome, receive, or accept, or even appreciate the light. Verse 10, the world did not recognize him. Verse 11, he came to that which was his own, that is, he came to the Jews, to his own people, but they didn't receive him. Jesus was not accepted. The light that shone in the darkness was rejected then and continues to be rejected by many even today. Now, if we think about that for a moment, that ought to strike us as very strange. It would be rather foolish, wouldn't you think, to ignore a light or the offer of a light if you're hopelessly lost in the dark? It's natural to want to seek a light in the darkness. It would have been very, very strange if those adrift at the sea in that capsule after having lost their ship would have radioed up to the plane and asked the pilot to turn off the spotlight because it bothered them. Turn off that light. We can make it on our own in the middle of the Atlantic here. Of course they didn't do that. It didn't even cross their minds. That light was the only hope for life they had. They welcomed it, and they would have been crushed if the pilot had turned the light off and lost them. And yet that's precisely what has happened and continues to happen today. Many people do not welcome the light that has come into the world. It's an odd thing. It's like the world prefers to go about in sin and misery and darkness, refusing to recognize Jesus as the Son of God, as the one who brings salvation. It's amazing sometimes that people would desire war and mayhem to following the Prince of Peace. It's amazing sometimes that people would prefer to be tossed about in darkness when they can live in the comfort of knowing that they belong to their faithful Savior, Jesus Christ, in life and in death. It's amazing sometimes to think that there are people who have the arrogance to think that they can somehow rescue themselves and so they don't need the light. But rejecting the light, ignoring the light, says the Bible, leads to ultimate disaster. So why would anyone be so foolish as to reject the one who is able to save? 
The light shines in the darkness, John wrote in chapter 1, verse 5. These candles here tonight are, are not to be worshipped, but they're merely reminders of the light shining in the darkness. Candles have always been used as beacons to travelers in the night, and tonight they're used as beacons to illustrate what John declares to us, what the Lord declares to us in his word. So what do we do with the light whose birth we celebrate? Merely admiring it is not the idea. The pilot shining his light down in the capsule didn't want the people below to merely admire it. He had other things in mind. In the same manner, God does not want people merely looking into the manger and remarking about how cute or small or quaint the baby is. No, we're called to go way beyond that. John chapter 12, verse 36, believe in the light that you may be sons, daughters of light. Those who respond to the love of God in Christ Jesus will be made sons and daughters of the light. They will be made lamps, as was John the Baptist, who bore witness to the light. Those who respond will be filled with hope and peace and expectation that the Lord will work and will grant full and free salvation. Christmas is the time that we celebrate the coming of the light of the world, namely Jesus Christ. The prophets and the word have pointed us to this light, this beacon of hope in the midst of a sick and dark and confused world. What will you do with the light that shines in the darkness? You know, one day, one day it will be so, we sang that earlier too, all darkness will be chased away because then the sun will no longer be needed nor the moon by night because Jesus Jesus Christ will fully shine and we will see him face to face. What a day that will be. Have you seen the light in the darkness? How do you respond? Amen. Father in heaven, these candles all around us, these tiny little lights, point us or remind us of the one who is the light of the world, Jesus Christ. Our prayer is, O oh Lord, that everyone in this room may know him in a very real way. Our prayer is even beyond this room. We pray, O oh Lord, that all of our family members, our neighbors, our nation, our world may know him and bow before him who is Prince of Peace and that they may do that now. We know that one day they will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to your glory. But Lord, we, we don't want to wait till that one day, someday when you return again. We pray that the gospel of Christmas that we celebrate at this time of year may penetrate the hearts and the minds and the lives of all who hear and that people may respond. Thank you, Lord, for this evening. Thank you for opportunities to be together.
for those for whom this season is so tough, we pray, O oh Lord, that your spirit would comfort them and surround them and that you would be gracious to them. Father, bless us further in this service as we sing your praise, as we bring our offerings, and as we anticipate the celebration of the birth of Jesus. To you be the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.